So she couldn't understand why is it that Boris Johnson and the gang here used that to uh, drive through their their horrendous, horrific Plan B. And, and it's because they're, they're simply manipulating the, the Omicron variant's uh, arrival on the scene for, for their nefarious and very dark political purposes. So that's why, I think, as I said to you, Richie, before we came on air, um, <clears throat> you know, the, the UK is essentially following the, 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 the steps of Austria and Germany. It's it, it has become a papers, please uh, state. Something inconceivable given our, you know, our centuries-long history of freedom. But no, under no, no, under Boris Johnson, that has to go out the window because we've got Omicron, and therefore you forget about your liberty. We are gonna make sure that you people wear your mask. We're gonna make sure you people live in fear. Um, all this stuff, Richie, it's got nothing to do. The virus is just the, a, a very convenient. Um, mechanism that they use to, to to take away our freedom and turn us into essentially, dare I say it, a Gestapo state. Yeah, controversial. No, not from you and certainly not from me. I don't mind anybody using that sort of terminology. Why would I? It's a free speech platform. It's funny when Marcus Fish took on Rachel Burden of the BBC on Monday, how they turned on him for using that, for using yep. that terminology. But I think it's pretty apt what he said. Well, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, I mean, I saw that with Marcus Fish, and, and you're right. They did turn on him, but the reason they turned on him, and it's something that you and I both fully understand, and a lot of, and I'm sure your listeners also get, it's the fact that you know, if you speak truth in these times, you will be absolutely demonised, you will be pilloried, you will be turned into the worst person in the world because you're actually standing up and saying, saying, the, identifying the world the way it is not the way that they pretend it is, you know. So so there's nothing normal about having to show papers to, to get into a football match, which is going to happen now at the weekend. Tonight. And in due course, I mean, here where I live in, in Northern Ireland now, uh, they've brought them in. So again, if you want to go into a theatre, show your papers. This is, this is, this is, and, and it, it, Marcus was right, and I'm right to use this language. It is essentially... The early stages of what we saw in the 1930s, Richie, it's come back in our lifetime. The evil is amongst us. It's manifest. And I think we have an obligation and a duty to speak up. And frankly, I don't care who it offends. Absolutely right. David Vance is our guest. David, do you think there's do you think there's an, an air of inevitability? Like you mentioned Austria and Germany, um, an air of inevitability that whether it comes to pass or not, that our governments here, uh, the government in Dublin, um, the devolved governments, they're going to try and mandate these jobs for everybody. Do you think that that's inevitable, that they will at least attempt to do it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. As sure as night follows day, that is what the... Uh, that's what, I mean, 2022... It holds a couple of certainties, one of which is that they will do their best to mandate the vaccination. So as we saw in the comments last night, and I mean, this is something that a lot of people have talked about, the heroic 100 odd Contory MPs who voted against the uh, the COVID passport bill. But only 63 of them voted about against mandatory jabs for NHS workers. That's right. 
So, so I'm sorry, at least 40 of the 100 are a bunch of hypocrites. Um, and, and, and so, again, it's thin end of the wedge. They've, they've done it in the care home sector. They're going to now do it in the NHS. They're going to boot out NHS workers. And we saw, Richie, something yesterday, which I'm sure it would have struck you as well, as, as kind of almost unbelievable. Labour, which postures as the party of the NHS. Yeah. 100% behind sacking NHS workers and, you know, doctors and nurses, the very people they've done nothing but talk about for as long as I can remember. 100% behind sacking them. Once they've got them, Richie, then they'll come after others if they possibly can. So, right. so I think, you know, so it's an inevitable um, trajectory we're, we, we're, we're on. And, uh, and that's why we have to, you know, stand up and oppose it. David Vance is our guest, folks. I'd like you to check out, if you haven't before, and I know you know, David, altnewsmedia.net. Check it out. Now, here's here's the thing that worries me. I, I've been saying to, to, to my listeners for a number of years that there would come a time when the establishment would not tolerate the independent media and it would go after it and, and maybe take it down. I initially thought, David, that they would try and force license the independent media you know that Ofcom would say well we now take we now take responsibility for the independent media therefore you can't do your independent radio show uh, mm. from your studio you've got to get a license from us and I always said that would be terrible because then I could interview you say and you might say something that might offend somebody now I know that 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 um, that you're a good guy I know that your opinions are well sought out and your opinions should be heard and not just you many of the other guests who come on here uh, yeah. but I knew if we were licensed by Ofcom they they would a complaint would be upheld against me one time because you might say something about transgender women that I would agree with by the way and so so there would be there would be a complaint yeah. and I might yeah. get a small fine but two more complaints and I would be taken off the air and the police would confiscate my equipment if I continued no I was wrong that's how I thought they would get people like me and people like you they're going to do it through the online harms bill I know you know this but some of our listeners won't know I can't wait to get your take on this there is a provision dear listener it's only recently been put in to the online harms bill which there was some thought it might come before parliament for a reading before Christmas but it's looking like January they want to criminalise what they call knowingly spreading medical misinformation especially about vaccines and somebody found guilty of that could go to prison for two years what do you think of that? Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly how they will do it. And I mean, again, this is where it's so Orwellian, isn't it? I mean, the online harms bill. The, 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 the only harm that's, uh, the only thing that's being harmed is the truth. That's the only thing that's being harmed. That's why if, if you and I talk about stuff or some of your other guests come on, and, and if we step outside of the narrative, that's how they will come after us. And they will come after us. Let's be clear on this one. You know, the, this, and particularly this British government, Richie, I have to say, is, is so malignant. It, it, it's, it's, it's a totalitarian thugocracy that we have sitting on, on, on the banks of the Thames, you know. And, um, and so that's what they want to do. They, they want to use the pretense of keeping everybody safe. Keep us all safe. And how do we, how do they keep us safe? Well, they shut down voices like yours and mine if they if they if they possibly can. 
And it's I, I think life will get more and more difficult for us. You know, I, you have to be realistic in these moments. You know, living in a fool's paradise is, uh, there's no point in doing that. But by the same token, I don't want to be a complete doomster and a gloomster. No, no. I, I, I think that, you know, uh, I think they fear us, Richie. That's the other thing. They wouldn't do this if they didn't fear what you do and perhaps what I do and what others do. They do fear us. But they but they fear us in such a way that their solution is don't don't confront our arguments like don't do that no 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 just shut us down and penalize us and potentially criminalize us that's that's why it is a Gestapo state. Do you remember years ago? You know you're not much older than than me. You're not. There's only a few years between us. Years ago, it didn't matter what you thought. You know, if you had an audience and you thought something or believed something that others found offensive. They you were you were invited to discuss this kind of thing. You know, you had Jerry mm-hmm. Kelly in Northern Ireland, you had Gabe Byrne in Dublin. There was no no such thing as deplatforming anyone. There was no such thing as cancelling someone. You know, as a unionist you must have had a thousand debates with people who were completely diametrically opposed to the to, to your ideology, as you might have been to theirs. But Jesus, there was no thought of destroying somebody because of their opinion. And here no, we are. Yep. No, that's absolutely right. Of of course there wasn't, because 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 that's how a functioning democracy works, Richie. It enables people with um, you know contradictory views and um, opinions to be able to have an exchange. But but when you transit away from a democracy into this authoritarianism, then then you lose that. That is no longer how it works anymore. What it's about then is you must destroy every view that you don't like and every person who holds a view that you don't like. And you can see there's a very clear narrative in place at the moment. It's really, really clear. Uh, obviously, COVID has has ushered this in, this mass intolerance. I mean, you're a very tolerant person. I believe I am. In fact, I yeah. think most of us are tolerant people, but yet we're being portrayed. We're the bigots. We're the uh, we're the uh, people uh, pushing medical misinformation. I mean, r- recently, for example, I'll give you a laugh. <clears throat> I I was uh, on on Facebook, which is a, a platform I rarely frequent, but occasionally I put stuff out in it. Facebook recently fact checked me and told me I was spreading <laughs> spreading medical misinformation for directly quote quoting verbatim from the MHRA yellow card system. Now that's Orwellian. So, that's Orwellian. So yeah. What? It's medical misinformation to actually quote the government. Yeah. Yeah, it is. If you're on Facebook, to use and their so own is, figures. This is why it's dystopia we live in, and this is what we face together, Richie. We face this almost existential battle because things like truth and the ability to express opinions are are being silently, well, being gradually just. Uh, you know, uh, suppressed, and they'll eventually be, uh, um, you know, uh, sort of blown out. And that's when we then enter the full gulag, which I think lies ahead. You really believe that? David Vance is our guest. Let me, yeah. let, let, two people were on the programme recently. Last night, I interviewed Councillor Jim Rogerson. He's been, a, well, he was until recently a Conservative. He's, he's, he resigned from the Conservative Party. Uh, Jim Ribble Valley, I think it's Ribble Valley in Lancashire. Mm-hmm. Um, your geography is better than mine. Anyway, yep. Jim, nice fellow, Jim. So he came on and he s- smelled a rat last year when this began, as, of course, you would have done and I would have done. Jim now believes that there's some there's something incredibly nefarious going on and that he wouldn't rule out 
you know, that the, 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 that the point of this is harming people. Uh, Paul Craig Roberts was uh, US Assistant Treasury Secretary under Ronald Reagan. I know you know who Paul is. He's a regular. Mm-hmm. He comes on with me. Lovely fellow, Paul. Paul used to... Paul used to smack me down years ago when I would talk about the sorts of series that I would discuss with people like David Icke and Jim Mars, rest in peace. And Paul yeah. would slap me down. Ah, Richie, you know, you give these people too much credit. Paul Craig Roberts now believes that there's some depopulation element to this. And he would say the reason for that is the yellow card reporting data, you've got the VAERS data in the United States, shows openly that these jobs are killing people and seriously injuring them. The establishment must know this. They stopped vaccine trials many times over the years for a handful of deaths and injuries. They're not doing that now. Do you give any credence to those theories that there's something abominably evil going on here? Yeah, I give every credence to those theories. I mean, what what people call conspiracy theories, I call spoiler alerts. Because that's what they are, Richie. Right. You, you know, and, and and actually, I have to take my hat off to those people who've suffered in years gone by, uh, lots of indignities because they were amongst the first to see it the way it actually is. Yeah. But w- when you look at what's happening with uh, the yellow card system in the UK, the VAR system in the States, <clears throat> and the fact that our friends in the mainstream media, they're able to read just as well as you and I. So they can see the information and they ignore the information. So what would it take to completely suppress that level of information pretty much across the world? And that's why it's very dark and that's why it's very evil. And that's why I, I think, you know, um, when, whenever the conspiracy theories keep being proven right, I'm sorry, but then they're not conspiracy theories. They're, and, and of course, it's a favourite, as you know, uh, from uh, from the 60s with the CIA and whatnot on Operation Mockingbird. Uh, conspiracy theories is a very convenient way to, to to try and get rid of truth tellers who just happen to be, you know, at the front of the queue and telling the truth. But I think where we are now is that uh, you, you just can't deny the fact that what's happening in front of our eyes, like in real time, is is the most unspeakable evil because people are dying. People are, I mean, their their vaccines have killed people. Fact, uh, they've caused all kinds of injuries. Fact, and not one mainstream journalist wants to talk about it, Richie. No, and fo- uh, football players are collapsing at the speed of light around the world. You can't, yeah. you know. I I do like sometimes. I mean, I do have that one foot in mainstream media, which is where I came from. So I do say to my listeners sometimes, look, you don't know for a fact that these people have been jabbed. You don't know that. So yeah. so don't automatically assume. But then I feel like an idiot. I mean, it's not just footballers. We've had a recent, on, on one particular day recently, a couple of fans collapsed at games. Um, what What's the common denominator? The jabs. The jabs and the rollout of the jabs is the common denominator. Sergio Aguero, great footballer, was, was yep. in tears today at his farewell bash, or it might have been yesterday. And, you know, he came down suddenly with a heart problem. Are you telling, I know you're not telling me, but I would say to the press, are you telling me that a footballer of that calibre, because of what happened to Mark Vivian Foy and others, and, uh, and, and Christian Eriksen in, in, in the Euros, yeah. are you telling me that, that, that Sergio wouldn't have had regular checks on his heart over the years? You know, this thing came on suddenly, right? 
Yeah. Well, see, but that's a great point you make. As we know, these elite sports people, uh, be it football or whatever, I mean, they are under, you know, really, uh, really good medical care. Uh, they're given all kinds of scans. I mean, their their health is their priority. So when we see what we see week in, week out, and let's face it, we're at the point now where not a weekend goes by where some footballer in, say, the Premier League uh, doesn't come down with, well, something. I mean, I, and the other thing, the other thing is, never mind the the the, the, the sort of the uh, some of the media commentators, but when you come to sports, you've got all these, you know, the the pundits in the studio, Richie, and I, I watched them at the Manchester United game, and, and this guy went off, and they, you could tell they, they they didn't know what they could say, yeah, because it didn't look good. And, and ordinarily, when a footballer goes off because of injury, they're speculating, you know, is it a hamstring? Is it a, has he got a cartilage issue? Whatever it is, right? But in this case, they're just imminent and, and they don't want to talk about it. And you can see, you can actually see it in their eye. They are censoring, they're self censoring. They won't acknowledge the reality on the pitch in the stands because, again, um, they're scared. They're scared lest they go, as a couple of guys have done, gone against the narrative and found that um, they get a lot of opprobrium. If you dare say, maybe you know, as you, you rightly said, Richie, we shouldn't assume anything. I mean, this is where you're very sensible. But but neither should we rule everything out. No, we really. should say, let's get the data. But no one wants to talk about it. But these footballers, you know, um, I think Manchester United players were boasted. I think they boasted about the fact uh, the team did that they'd been double jabbed and whatnot. And then we see them having what somebody called, by the way, at the weekend, indigestion. In the, that, yeah. That's right. And the player who came off was a Swedish defender called Victor Lindelof. And yep. he had, um, he seemed to be having palpitations. Yep. Difficult to catch his breath. And off he went. And you, you nailed it. They were so hesitant in the way they were speaking, that kind of stuttering delivery. And it's because of what happened to Trevor Sinclair, wasn't it, uh, David? Yes. Sinclair was on talk radio and he dared to ask the question, I wonder, was he jabbed? Oh God, no, no. And th apparently, before the podcast of the live show went up, they edited out the bit where Sinclair asked the question about the jab. It yeah, doesn't yeah, get any more sinister. Yeah, they pulled the, they pulled the stream on him because because I mean, well, I mean, talk radio. I mean, I re, I refer to it as vaccine radio, Richie. Um, uh, talk radio, which every other minute there's an ad to have a vaccine or a booster, you know. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, it is. It, the, the thing is, they're all sort of they're they are all essentially saying that uh, the emperor has clothes, even when you can see and I can see that the emperor is entirely naked. And that's where that's the point we're at, you know, and and, and, and you see it in sport um, and sports people are the fittest amongst us. And yet, and yet they're killing over and we know we all know it. And, the you know, and, and now, of course, we're going to have the ludicrous scenario of the people in the crowds who are keeling over. They'll be showing their COVID passports so they can get into the ground and keel over so they that's can right. be safe. I mean, I mean, it's different. You know, it's level upon level of farce. And, and, and yet people are supposed to take it ever so seriously and treat it as if, beyond, you know, you can't criticise this. Yes, we should criticise it. We should call it out every occasion. As a Christian gentleman, finally, does do you think, I, I don't want to say church leaders, I, I shouldn't say that, but individual, maybe, maybe reverends, individual priests, individual ministers, do they need to do a bit more because this is obviously evil and it must be if you're a spiritual man 
you know, and if you're a man or a woman of the cloth, and if you're genuine, if you're a genuine yeah. um, worshipper, if you believe in God, you must have some inkling as to what's going on. Maybe it's time that, you know, your sermons maybe took a different turn on on Sunday mornings and Saturday evenings. And maybe you started speaking well, to your parishioners and saying, look, there's something very wrong here. Yeah, well, look, look, that's absolutely true. And, and let's be honest, the, the established church has been calamitous. It's yeah. been an absolute failure in its ability to stand up against that, which we're all having to, you know, endure. And uh, so, you know, for, for example, with the, what is it, the uh, Durham Cathedral, I think the other day, saying that only the vaccinated can enter. That's right. Well, I don't know about that, Richie. I seem to recall the, 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 the New Testament taught something a bit different, but obviously it's been updated. There are some good individual um, clerics of different persuasions. There are some uh, here in the UK, in Ireland, and across in the States and Canada I know of, and, and th those people are courageous and brave. But again, I think that the one plus about this COVID nightmare is it's, it's allowed us to have a really good look into the world as it is. And the world as it is shows that the the religious roots of uh, that we we took for granted, a lot of them have rotted away. You know, I mean, you've got a Marxist pope in the Vatican. Let's just call it for what it is: a Marxist globalist pope uh, who does nothing for the global flock. You've got uh, Archbishop of Canterbury, absolute disgrace. These people have gone missing in action. But then again, you know, to be honest, Richie, if you if you want to study your Bible. It does kind of say that that's kind of how it, yeah, this is kind of how it it's ends, how it you ends, know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, the, the, the Bible, yeah. it's not exactly a happy ending until the real happy ending. And so so as the, the faithful are being led to the slaughter by so-called uh, clerics who are much more like wolves, in my opinion. And, um, you know, yeah, they, they failed. So you're quite right to point it out. I pointed out as well. And uh, I don't think, you know, we should put our too much faith in some of these men of faith. Not anymore. Not anymore. You, you, you have um, a fantastic Christmas, uh, David. All, 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 genu genuinely, all the very best to you. And yours. I don't know why I said genuinely. You know I'm genuine when I say that. I know you do. God, God no. be with you and yours over the, 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 over the holiday and over Christmas. And I hope that you'll continue to come back on with us for as long as we're able to do it in the new year. Absolutely. And can I thank you, Richie? It's always a pleasure to speak with you and, 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 and to, to, your, to your listeners. And uh, if ever there was a time for good men and women to come together and stay solid and united, uh, this is it. So, so I would wish everything that you've wished me back at you. And we're going to be stronger again in 2022. These people will not wear us down. And, you know, Richie, I'll finish with this. A, a, a two-word expression, very popular in Northern Ireland. No surrender. We won't surrender to the global evil and we will prevail, come what may. That's my Christmas message. Thanks, David. All the best. Cheers. And bye for now. Bye. David bye. Vance, live on the Richie Allen Show this Wednesday. The website to visit is altnewsmedia.net, altnewsmedia.net. And you can check out the biasedbbc.tv website, which he ran and, and does run. It's a blog that he's been running for many years about the BBC. It's two minutes to the top of the hour. The stream didn't go down earlier on. I had two computers crash in the studio. This has never happened before. And before you say it, I don't believe there's anything nefarious going on. I think it's just one of those things. 
So there is a computer which streams the program. There's another one which records the program. Both of them went on the blink at the same time. They are kind of connected and they're back now. But it means that the podcast of this program is going to be missing the first half an hour. In fact, the first 33 minutes. That's if it doesn't happen again, because it just happened. So I had to reboot while David was speaking with me, chatting with me, answering me. I had to quickly run across and reboot and and restart the stream. Because I don't have any producers, I don't have any editors. There's nobody here, there's just me. So that's the way it is. So I'm really pissed off about that because it means I have an incomplete program to upload to Podomatic later on, but there isn't anything I can do about it. Uh, The the monologue is no big deal. I don't mind that. But we missed the first few minutes of David's uh, conversation with me, David Vance, and he's a good guy. Dolores Cahill uh, should be with me in around about 10 minutes' time. She's in the west or the west of Ireland this evening. And she sent me a text message today to do with with kind of an appeal she wants to make. And it's kind of sensitive too. It's very sensitive. Now, by appeal, uh, not, not a financial appeal or anything like that, but an appeal for people to come forward if they've been injured. Particularly, and this is where it gets kind of sensitive, particularly maybe pregnant women or maybe women who had complications following a COVID jab and maybe women who maybe lost, uh, terribly maybe, lost their uh, child. And she wants to make a sensitive appeal for people who want some sort of, I don't know, I won't say recourse, but but, but people who want answers, who might have suffered such a thing uh, to, to speak to her and colleagues of hers will talk about that with Dolores Cal and more besides when we speak in a few minutes time okay yeah tech problems this afternoon what are you going to do eh Paul Simon's end just to give us a wee break while I have a drink of water and uh, I'll read your comments when I come back Paul Simon, you can call me Al Dazza, says, Richie, why didn't you acknowledge, why didn't you acknowledge David's uh, cry of no surrender, says Dazza. I've been interviewing David for years, and David is a unionist, and I am a Republican. I've always been an Irish Republican. We've had plenty of robust but um, always friendly exchanges about Ireland. So uh, David was being, uh, he was being pretty cute getting that in at the end there. But look, ultimately, yes, let's give it that. Let's let's say no surrender to, to, to this tyranny that's unfolding in front of our, our eyes, yes. But I've never been a supporter of the IRA, of course. Never have I been a supporter of the IRA. When I say that I oppose violence as a means of conflict resolution, when I say that I oppose violence as a means of achieving some sort of justice, I mean it. I've interviewed IRA guys over the years. I've interviewed Sinn Féin men and women over the years who never had anything to do with the IRA, genuinely. And I've interviewed plenty of Sinn Féin people over the years who were involved with the IRA on one level or another. But um, I'm anti-violence, so the, the, the no surrender thing doesn't doesn't bother me at all. It doesn't bother me in the slightest. Richard says conspiracy theories are no longer theories when they've stood the test of time. I would agree with that, Richard. 
I to Pandora, I to Gavin. Gavin says Klaus Schwab has got his Star Wars uniform on and gone all in with a cyber attack on the BBG. <laughs> yeah, would it were true that the programme, I mean, this programme does reach, you know, a very healthy number of people. But I don't think, I don't think they're, they're too worried at the very top about this particular programme on its own. I agree with David. I think, I think they're very concerned about a, an independent media that I think in recent times has becoming, has been getting better in how it does what it does. Speaking with Gareth the other night, the Right Now programme is an excellently produced programme on the Iconic platform. There are other very good programmes in terms of production values on there as well. The Richie Allen radio show stands alongside any commercial or national radio show in terms of production values. That's what they fear when the independent media starts to do programming as well as the legacy media. That's a problem for them because it's when you do it properly that you attract more people to your show. I I did an interview recently for an online magazine. I don't think they published it in the end. A kind of a mainstream magazine. I'm trying to think of the name of it now. And they asked me about the popularity of this programme. And they asked me, was it down to, to, to me? Was it down to my personality or was it down to the things I was saying? And I told the truth. I said, it isn't down to my personality. It isn't. And it's not down necessarily to the things I am saying. It's primarily down to the fact that it's produced properly. That's the thing. And when you look at that online harms bill, and they talk about prosecuting people for knowingly spreading misinformation around, you know, around things like vaccines. That's the way they're going to come for uh, the media and they're going to do it next year. I'm going to try Dolores now. I'm sorry for not reading more of your comments, but I'm, I'm under pressure here. I'm still peeved off that I've lost the first half hour of tonight's programme. It's lost forever. To be honest, my Cool Edit Pro thing or whatever it is did ask me, did I want to recover? <laughs> but I couldn't. I didn't have any bloody time. I couldn't do that because David was talking away, so he was. Shall we get Dolores on then? Let's get Dolores on and see and hear what um, Dolores, what she's got to say uh, f about and for uh, pregnant women. We're, we're, we're going to talk about that right now. Okay. So uh, I don't have to tell you too much about Dolores. You know all about her now. She holds an honours degree in molecular genetics from Trinity College in Dublin, one of the world's most iviest of Ivy League uh, academic institutions, an amazing uh, university, amazing college. She has a PhD in immunology and biotechnology from Dublin City University. Uh, she's been attacked from pillar to post because she stood out last year and uh, condemned lockdowns as a measure to you know, to hold back uh, viral infection in the community. Uh, she came out and spoke out very clearly. She's one of the first people to do it about the dangers of mRNA uh, technology. Let's welcome back to the programme from the west of Ireland this evening, our friend Dolores Cahill. Dolores, welcome back. How are you? I'm very well, Richie. Thank you for having me on. It's an honour to have you on. You sound well. You sound really well this evening. We, we, we chatted this afternoon because you asked me to give you a quick bell. There was something that you were involved in, something you're doing. And it's to do with, um, 
I suppose, taking cases and taking injunctions against the jab rollout and the mandating of jabs for workers and NHS workers. And I know, because we spoke about this previously, that you're particularly concerned, particularly concerned, about pregnant women taking these jabs. And you kind of want to make a very sensitive appeal, I think, this evening to uh, to pregnant women who might have had the jab. Have I got that right, Dolores? Yes, you have. And good evening to your listeners and to everyone, Richie. I suppose, just to put this in context, uh, you know, these injections, all of them are in clinical trials. And there has been more deaths in one year on these clinical trials than 30 years of clinical trials of vaccines. And it's looking like, um, you know, we have more than 53,000 people that have died in these trials. And normally these, any trial in the world would be stopped with about 50 deaths. So what we're now finding from the CDC results that are publicly available is that one in 50 people who get the injection die within the first 48 hours. And we also know because there is prevention and treatment, there is no need for uh, any middle-aged or young person or child um, to get these injections and absolutely no need for pregnant women to get them or unborn babies. So just in the last few months, what we're seeing is reports that Sadly, women who have been enrolled in these clinical trials and had the injection, their babies are born dead. Or there is a doubling, for example, in the number of uh, deaths of babies in utero or just after being born in Scotland. And, you know, so I was at a meeting on Friday where um, the niece of a lady gave birth to a, a dead baby who had had the injection. So I suppose what we're trying to do is to say under the precautionary principle that these clinical trials should be absolutely stopped for pregnant women and for children. And my call is to see if there is anyone, particularly in England, who has been coerced, we'll say, and pregnant to get an injection that they don't want, that we could um, work with them to go to the High Court to uh, give the evidence which we now have of the death uh, of uh, unborn babies um, or children just after being born within the first week or two, particularly uh, by pregnant women who've had the injection during the pregnancy. We'll come back to that in a moment. Can you repeat the, the statistic Excuse me, that you mentioned a moment ago? You believe that Live data shows that one in something, I think you said, like 50 people are now dying within 48 hours of having a jab. Yeah. Yes, and we have reports that GPs and doctors don't want to give the booster injection for people that have had um, reactions for the first two because Professor Sukrit Bhakti, who was the head of the Immunology Institute in Germany, has said, you know, you should make your will first before you have a third or a booster injection because the chances of dying are so high. So what we see is overall from the CDC figures that one in 50 are dying within 48 hours of the injection on average. Um, One in 50. But because I think there's prevention and treatment, so we know that many people have been getting 
you know, that listen to you might really be confused. But there is prevention and treatment available so that if people have influenza-like illness, they don't have to get these injections. And then the harm done by these injections, you know, this is the most dangerous clinical trial in history with more deaths in one year on these clinical trials than on 30 years of clinical trials. In 30 years. Let, Let me ask you this. When you were on last about three weeks ago, you mentioned, and you were absolutely right to mention, that a study suggested that lots of children were, were, were dying or lots of women were miscarrying, um, having had the jabs. And incredibly, not long after we spoke, maybe hours, maybe a day, maybe it happened on the same day, the people who published that study retracted it. Why did they do that, do you know? So I think we've seen that across the world in all areas where there is kind of political forcing of well, political or people who are trying to not get this information out are putting pressure on journalists to withdraw papers, even though there's no evidence that the information is, you know, is not correct. So you, you believe the squeeze might have been put on the authors of that study these are credible people like yourself, credible academics. They came out with this startling evidence saying that, you know, these jobs are, are causing miscarriages and causing stillbirths. And you think the establishment came down pretty hard on, on those scientists and said, you better retract those comments or, or those findings. Well, that could be the case. But I think Might what be. we know is that the doubling of babies born dead has doubled in Scotland with 5 million people just in the past few months. So there is significant data. um, And we know from undertakers now that there is a huge increase in the number of babies that are born dead or dying. That's right. right. So the the thing is, I suppose, you know, what people, what's really happening here is an undermining of the rule of law so that everybody, uh, professionals and non-professionals, for example, undertakers or pathologists or coroners, or the police or ordinary family members, if they, you know, we know that there are, like, in two schools, I think, in in the UK, two 14-year-olds died on the same day, having had the injection, you know, a few days before, um, that we know that these injections cause death, and uh, also death by either clots or by heart attacks within weeks. And because there's prevention and treatment for the influenza-like illness, there's absolutely no need for people to be getting these injections. And we know from the evidence that there are more deaths on these trials than any vaccine clinical trials in 30 years in combined. History. Yeah. In combined 30 years, um, there is more in one year on these trials. So we know that there's huge deaths and there's Children and teenagers and uh, unborn babies and pregnant women are not at risk at all. And if they do have influenza-like illness, there's already safe and effective treatment. So you have to always balance the harm of the intervention versus, you know, the illness that you're looking for, uh, you know, trying to treat. And there's absolutely no need for it. And I think why we have to restore the rule of law is that these babies would be born alive and children and teenagers would not be dying of heart attacks if they did not get these injections. So in a way, what we 
are obliged to do now under the law is prevent harm and death. And, and if, you know, teenagers die, the people who do the injection are really committing crimes of, um, you know, either contributory manslaughter or misfeasance or malfeasance because there's a huge amount of evidence. And maybe just to add, uh, Professor Sutherland and his colleagues have just published yesterday the autopsy results of 15 autopsies that were not determined to have been associated with the injection. And they found on looking forensically uh, at the autopsy results that 14 out of 15 were actually directly had been injected and the death was directly associated with the injection. So even with the underreporting of the harm and death, these are the most fatal, the most dangerous clinical trials in history. And I think people just simply, after, with 50 deaths on the trial, in the world they should be stopped. And we have over 53,000 deaths associated with these trials. And that's going with the VAERS data. It's going with the yellow car data in the UK. And it's going with the European data that's available. That's, that, that's, that's where you're getting the 53,000 from. Yeah, so those numbers are from the European website, the official website, uh, plus the UK, plus the CDC in America. So that's three regions. It's about one-fifth of the world population. Um, and obviously we know that there's debt. And, you know, in Japan and in other countries, they have decided to not to um, suspend the injection uh, of these clinical trials because of the harm. And some of the harms were exactly as we predicted that the mRNA would trigger the immune system attacking people's own body themselves, and then people would die and get very sick with organ failure or with um, heart attacks and sudden adult death, which is exactly what we're seeing. And I have the audio, by the way. But I, I, Just in case anybody is listening to this for the first time, I have the audio of Professor Dolores Cahill predicting this scenario before these jabs were even given to people. I interviewed Sakarit Bakhti, I pronounce the name wrong all the time, uh, Professor Bakhti. I interviewed him at the, at, at the advent of the jab rollout, even just before it. And like Dolores, he said, yeah, I endorse what Professor Dolores Cahill has said. So you're on the record as saying that this will happen, these heart attack issues, these clotting issues. And here we are now. And you see, I was speaking to a guest in the first hour, a journalist. We were talking about how not just in football, not just in soccer, but in other sports, in other field sports around the world, we're seeing um, an incredibly unusual phenomenon of people collapsing and fainting. And even in the Manchester United game at the weekend, uh, one of their players had to come off the pitch because he was suffering some sort of palpitations. He couldn't catch his breath. Now, I don't have any proof the jab had anything to do with that. But this is unprecedented, Dolores. Yes, and I suppose what it is is that from the data that we've seen, this kind of sudden death is an adverse reaction directly associated with these injections. Um, and there is sufficient evidence now to show that they are correlated. So the harm of the injection is multiple times, hundreds of times. Um, and I suppose what we need to do, what I'm asking is if, People feel that they are either being coerced as part of their employment or if someone is pregnant and they're saying you have to get the injection in order to uh, do something, for example, give birth in a hospital um, or get access to treatment, that I would be very grateful even if one person uh, contacts you, Richie, 
and that they would be willing to help us around giving evidence that they are, because it's unlawful and criminal to be coerced into enrolling in a clinical trial, particularly in a clinical trial where the regulators know that there is huge harm from the mRNA injection and being on the clinical trial. It's criminal and unlawful behavior. And I'm calling on the regulators to stop it. And I think it was an absolute disgrace that Prime Minister Boris Johnson came out two days ago encouraging people to get the booster when we know, including Professor Boxy, has said that people will die directly from the booster. And someone called me in Ireland two days ago and said that someone had got the booster and they were fighting for their lives 40 minutes later in intensive care. I'm, I'm in Salford and I'm in a real... It's, where, it's like very much where, like where I grew up in Wardford. It's a real working class kind of trade unionist community. And people are friendly. So when you're out and about Dolores in your local park with your dogs, people chat to you and they chat away. And most people wouldn't know that I do a radio show. Some would, but most wouldn't know. And they'd be yeah. chatting away with me. And I'll tell you what I'm hearing. I'm hearing that there is a huge reluctance among people to have the booster. Massive reluctance among people. And I've spoken to quite a few people who said that they flatly will not have a third one. And this was just before the, the, the emergence of this new scary, as we call them, this new Omicron or Omicron thing, which they're, which is, is, is astonishing, really. The, the woman who discovered this variant, Angelique Kutsia, is saying that the response to it is hysteria. That's a direct quote. And yet they're screaming about it. They've done a press conference at five o'clock today. Get boosted, get boosted, get boosted. And my concern is the people who thought they wouldn't have a booster because they're tired of it. They might have it anyway, not because they're scared of Omicron, but because they don't want to be left on the fringes of, of, of society. That's my big concern, Dolores, that, that you and people like you might be getting through to people. They might realise the jabs do carry a, you know, a fair degree of risk with them um, and that the virus itself is not the biggest deal in the world but that they're rolling up their sleeves now out of desperation and fatigue because they want to keep their job, because they don't want to end up out on the street or because they need to travel or whatever. That's what I'm hearing from people. From some people, they might have the jab, not because of fear of the virus, but because they don't want to be, you know, forbidden to participate in society. What do you think? So I think coercing people into a medical treatment is criminal and unlawful behaviour. Yeah. And because there is safe and effective prevention and treatment, so some of the things that I was saying, like vitamin D and hydroxychloroquine, it's now been recommended, for example, by the Surgeon General in Florida, that people should actually get their vitamin D tested, and that is a much better prevention and treatment. So really, there is absolutely no necessity for people to be holding press conferences to try and coerce or force people to get these injections, which are uh, known to be very dangerous and not necessary. So I think what we need to do is, under the precautionary principle, I am just looking for people who feel coerced, don't want to take the booster because they might have had adverse events in the previous ones, or they might know people that have died as a direct result of the injection, and that they want with me and I'm working with whole groups of people um, across the United Kingdom and Ireland to 
stop the coercion and stop the forcing of people to engage in normal activity like education yeah. or to get access to medical treatment. So I suppose what we're calling for is people, it's called standing, you know, that people are being coerced um, into taking these injections and that they want to help us to stop that we could then take a case or provide the evidence again to the regulator and ask the regulator to, uh, under the precautionary principle, they, the regulator is required to put a pause on these clinical trials. Um, because, you know, as well, if there are undertakers and coroners and police, these are now suspicious deaths. You know, people who are now dying, um, especially we see, you know, people in their teens, 20s, 30s, 40s, because we know that death is an outcome of these clinical trials injections that are being pushed, um, every sudden death is a suspicious death, needs to be reported by the coroners to the police, and the police need to investigate. And if they are not investigating those deaths properly, including by doing an autopsy, um, that is also um, unlawful behaviour. So we literally need people to help us who have, know someone who has had an adverse event or a pregnant woman or even sadly if there are women who have lost their babies or born dead that we need them to come to through you to me and to the team particularly the first case we're thinking of is in england yeah. so but we're going to also um look at this in scotland wales and ireland as well we've got professor dolores cahill on the line Dolores, I, I, I won't keep you for too much longer. I know you're busy. Stay with me for another five, ten minutes maximum because sure. it's an excellent question that's come through from, from a number of listeners, a really good question. D- Dolores is, is asking, you, you, I don't have to repeat it, but I, I will. You heard her loud and clear. Anybody who feels that they're being coerced into having a job that they do not want in order to keep a job or, 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 or whatever... Um, you can reach me through my website and I'll connect you with Dolores. Uh, data protection notwithstanding, I'll, I'll you know, look after your data and so will Dolores. Carl, we won't be passing your name around to anybody. Um, sadly, if you're going through this, first of all, I, I can't imagine what it must be like. If you've miscarried or lost your baby, God love you. And if you suspect it might have had something to do with the jabs and you wouldn't mind having a conversation with 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 Dolores, again, if you get through to me through my website, I will connect you with Dolores. And um, again, that'll be very sensitively uh, done. So just keep that one in mind. Um, I, I'll, I'll be keeping a, a close eye on the old emails now over the next few days. A um, number of people are asking this. It's a very important question. Does Dolores think we might see a lot of death around February, March time? And if that does happen, how does Dolores think they'll be able to get away with blaming a variant when it'll obviously be jab injuries? If a lot of people start dying in the late winter, early spring, how will they get away with blaming variants when it'll be patently obvious to you and me that it's jab injuries? What do you think? Um, so I, I am expecting, sadly, death. You know, so when I came out, we say May 2020, before there was any mRNA, any clinical trials, they what they are doing is putting contents into the influenza injections as well as the COVID injections and the boosters that um, are causing combined adverse events. And then 
then when if there is a wild type virus that circulates anyway in January, February, March, the people who have been injected, the wild type virus or the further injections will trigger this it's the enhancement. But the enhancement is the enhancement of adverse events, illness and death from the injection. So what they're doing is the injection and the wild type infections are making are triggering the immune system to attack people's own body. And that presents with, we'll say, whatever the illness that you might die in your 90s or if you're 100, so if you're predisposed to an attack on your heart, then your immune system is then going to be boosted to, to attack your own body from the injection one, the injection two, the booster, and then you come across another wild type virus or whatever in the flu season, December, January, February, March. And then people will just get sicker and sicker. And it's called cytokine storm, antibody dependent enhancement, immune priming, priming. So you're priming your body to attack yourself. And in the animal study, either all the animals died or half the animals died or a third of the animals died, not directly after the injection, but when they were primed again often by being exposed to the wild type or the next year's virus or the virus that would circulate in a year or two. And why I came out, you know, a year and a half ago now was to say that when people start dropping dead, um, presenting with organ failure or sepsis or issues with breathing, that is not a natural death. That is an adverse event of the injection. It's caused by the injection. So these are building up the stockpile of, of sickness and death for everybody who's injected. And that's why we are looking for help now for people who want to stop this uh, to come and we can go to the courts and use the rule of law to try and prevent further death. And I suppose what really we urgently need to do is to stop the injection of, of children. There's absolutely no need for anybody under 40 to get these injections. No need for children or teenagers are pregnant women, and we know that the long-term consequences that the spike protein and the injections go and cause inflammation, either they go to the ovaries or they trigger the immune system against the lining of the womb or the testes in men, and that will prevent them um, being able to have children in the future. So if we inject children or teenagers, it may mean that they will be infertile for the rest of their lives. And this has, unfortunately, there's been a lot of publications, but this is part of the agenda because people should be saying, why are they not stopping these trials? We have prevention and treatment, some of the Nobel Prize winning vitamin D, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine. So what's really happening is an undermining of the rule of law and police and coroners and pathologists and state pathologists and judges and the, the doctors themselves have, should be having a, the press conferences to say, there is so much death in these clinical trials caused by these injections. By us continuing on, we are liable for harm and death, which exposes the doctors and everybody to criminal and unlawful behavior because they're contributing to harm and causing, murdering people, essentially. And they, everyone should be calling. Doctors should be saying, we are not going to inject pregnant women. We are absolutely not going to inject children. Um, it causes too much harm and there's no need for it. There is prevention and treatment. Um, and so that's why it's really now about how our society functions. And we're looking for people generously 
who have been harmed or suffered huge loss that are now making the connection that they want to contribute to help us so that nobody else loses their baby or nobody else's 14-year-old child after the injection doesn't come home. It's sobering stuff, Dolores, particularly when you, when, when you think that the health secretary in this country purchased 114 million more jabs to give people their fourth and fifth jab in 2022. It's imperative. What do you say to people who, who worry, maybe people that understand now that something is very wrong, but didn't understand it earlier this year and they've had to? Is it never too late to stop taking these things? No, it's never, it's never too late. And, you know, what we want to do is to try and help people to recover their health. But my, you know, part of the immune system and why they're using the immune system, it has evolved over thousands and millions of years that when you come across something once, the immune system, you know, defends the body, it thinks, and then it shuts down. And it goes into memory cells. So even if you're, you know, it's, it's there waiting for it to be triggered again. But it's very difficult once you've had the injection to switch off the immune system so that we know these coronaviruses come four years out of 10. So it means someone that's had the injection, that when they come across the coronavirus in the next year or two, that their immune system will ramp up again and then it will start attacking their body. So that is the danger that if a 10-year-old gets it or an 18-year-old, they will be coming across these, you know, infectious agents, whatever is in the injection for the next 20, 30 years. And there is no stopping their immune system and their immune memory. And that's why there has never been a clinical trial approved for any, ever, any for these, ever mRNA vaccine has never been approved because all the animals got hugely sick or died in the years subsequent to the even one injection. So what we're doing is really calling for people to stop the clinical trials under the precautionary principle because we could be making everyone who gets injected. But, you know, it would be unconscionable uh, to be injecting, you know, children, teenagers and young adults when there is no need. They're not dying from this and they never were last year. And we would just be making them sick for the rest of their lives potentially infertile and potentially dying, you know, losing decades of life. And it's entirely unnecessary. So I think what everybody listening to this, what I'm asking is that each of them try to figure out one thing that they can actually do, you know, or build a small group of three or four people and just go and give the data to their local police or to their local GP, all very calmly, you know, and under the rule of law. But this has to stop. The clinical trials have to be stopped and they have to stop injecting pregnant women and children. It's just the death and the harm is, is hundreds of times. Dolores, tell us, before, um, just before we, we, we say goodbye today, the, the websites where the, the, the World Doctors Alliance, give us the website addresses where people can find you online. So we have uh, around a quarter of a million now doctors and nurses around the world. So the, there's a telegram, World Doctors Alliance, and also worlddoctorsalliance.com. And then we have worldfreedomalliance.org. Um, that's also on telegram. And I'm starting this new initiative, custodian, uh, C-U-S-T-O-D-E-A-N.com. And really custodian is going to um, be asking people who support us or join us what 
uh, do they really need now? So if people need detoxifying, we can then have initiatives to see if there are methods to try and help people recover health. Uh, how can we do that together? Or if people have a need for learning how to grow food or learning about the rule of law. So that's custodian.com. We have an initiative we're just starting around natural immunity uh, that people who do not want to participate in these clinical trials can um, enroll in a survey around natural immunity. And if they want to join a group of people that do not want to be PCR tested or don't want to wear masks or don't want to be injected, they can then be part of a natural immunity uh, group where they can then get information and show that they can, should not be coerced to be injected. But I think, you know, that's all for people. Some people are more confident than others. And I think we really need to stop the injection of pregnant women and children. And that's why I'm working with uh, people in England, Scotland, Wales uh, and Ireland to try and uh, stop the clinical trials by writing to the regulators. And the regulators are under an obligation uh, when, you know, they are notified. They should be looking at the data already. And under the precautionary principle in law, when... Um, there is so much harm and death. The onus is actually on the regulator and on the prime ministers and the T-shirts here to stop the clinical trials themselves. But if not, we will. We're working with um, police and forensic pathologists and detectives because it's actually criminal and unlawful for doctors and nurses and people to continue to inject because of the risk of harm and death that's going on with all of these SARS-CoV-2 COVID-19 vaccines. Dolores, thanks for coming on throughout 2021 and, and 2020 and can I wish you and yours a, a, a peaceful and, and happy Christmas despite everything that's going on and uh, I'm sure we'll pick this conversation up again in uh, the new year. I just want to, to remind people what Dolores is asking for if you're under the, the jackboot as it were of coercion to take one of these jabs to keep a job um you know, get in touch if you'd like to be passed on to uh, Dolores and her colleagues. If you're somebody who's been adversely affected by a jab, if you're a pregnant woman that's been adversely affected by the jab and you want to get in touch with Dolores, you can do it through my website, richieallen.co.uk. Confidentiality, of course, is an absolute given. Um, I've been doing my job a long time. Dolores has been doing hers a, a long time, yeah. so don't worry about that. So, so get in touch. And we'll probably end up that you can give them my number or whatever, Richie, and we'll do it. And can I just wish maybe everybody listening and you and your family, Richie, also a, a very happy Christmas as well. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to come on your show. You're very welcome, Dolores. God bless and Godspeed. God thank bless. you so much. That's uh, Professor Dolores Cahill, by the way, who uh, has an honours degree in molecular genetics from Trinity College in Dublin and uh, PhD in immunology and biotechnology. She's got qualifications coming out of every pore and has uh, taken some hits in the Irish and international media for having the courage to come out last year and say that this is all very wrong. These lockdowns are very wrong. They're harmful. The jabs, the mRNA technology is very wrong. It's going to do great harm. Uh, so she's a great Irish woman, I think. Not supposed to do so much of the editorialising, but I'm going to do it. You have that information. I suppose it's up to you what you're going to do with it. You've heard a little bit of actuality throughout the programme. You've heard the odd siren in the background. Do you know why that is? Because the hermetically sealed studio was very warm when I got to it at around about four... No, it wasn't four o'clock. When did I get in here? I mean, I work, I work in the house. I have my own workspace. 
I don't work in the studio during the day. I do my prep elsewhere. I got into the studio about half three and it was so warm I opened the window and I left it open. <laughs> and it's still very warm, it's very mild. And I was wondering a moment ago, in fact I was wondering when I was speaking with David Vance, why am I hearing things in my cans? Cans are headphones. Why am I hearing things? I shouldn't be hearing things. I just realised that the Fwinog is open. And it's, I'm not going to get up and close it now. It's why it's uh, 17 minutes, 17 and a half minutes to the top of the hour. It's the Richie Allen radio show. It's live. It's always live. From Salford, here in Greater Manchester. I'm still a bit cheesed off because I, it takes me a while to get over these things. I, uh, not through no fault of my own, the programme crashed off air. It doesn't happen. It, it, it hasn't happened for well over a year, in fact. It crashed, but so did the recording crash. Just before, or just during the, the opening moments of my conversation with David Vance. So I quickly restarted the stream, and I started a new recording, but I lost the first 30 minutes. I just could I didn't have the time to recover it. Anywho, it means that it'll be a bit strange for people who don't normally catch the programme live. A bit later on, they're going to be going online to get it, and they'll get an incomplete programme. Yeah, all right. Shall I read some comments, or shall I play a tune? I don't know what I'm going to do. What should I do? Comments or a tune? I don't know. I'll do this for the moment. The Richie Allen Show relies on your support. Visit richieallen.co.uk and make a financial contribution today. The Richie Allen Show is the world's most popular independent news radio show. Listen on demand via your regular podcast provider. Right, so that press conference then convened by the government where Johnson appeared with Chris Whitty and where he appeared with a woman from NHS England, a doctor, a medical doctor, to say that the Omicron variant is very serious, but but manageable as long as everybody has their booster jab and all of that sort of nonsense. There were no, there wasn't any announcement there about further restrictions being imposed on the country over the Christmas. So just just to say that, uh, Nikki Kanani is the doctor, the medical director of primary care for NHS England. And they were talking about people seeing their families and maybe not mixing so much and all of that garbage. We heard some of that from Jimmy Cranky, Scotland's first minister yesterday, didn't we? I'm going to take a tune. When I come back from it, I'll read some of your comments then. It's a Wednesday, the 15th of December 2021. The BBG with you till 7 o'clock. This is Billy Swan. Yeah, it never ends, this. It goes on and on and on. And on. And on. Billy Swan, I can help on the Richie Allen Show Wednesday's programme. I I won't let it go on and on and on. That would be unprofessional of me. (laughs) And that's that's not a common thing. Me to be unprofessional, he says, tongue firmly firmly pressed into cheek. Colin says, Richie, thanks for two top guests today. Thank you, Colin. He also wishes me a nice afternoon tomorrow with a few cold beers. Yeah, just to let you know, in case you don't know, I won't be with you tomorrow. The accountancy firm that looks after my accounts and has done for many years, it has a a bash at Christmas time. 
it's an afternoon thing. They're having one tomorrow. A bit of uh, I said it was a bit of a soiree earlier on, and the 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 future Mrs. Allen, who's been the future Mrs. Allen since two thousand and eight, she said to me, "You can't call it a soiree. Soiree is in the evening. You can't say that." So she let my balloon down fairly lively. But yeah, they've they've, they've got a comedian there, and. Uh, some entertainment, some food, and a few bevies. It'll be an early one. It's an afternoon thing. I'll be, I'll be back. I'll be back home in the very early evening. But I am looking forward to it. I did mention this yesterday. I've not had a very good night out for a long time. We were in Cornwall for a week in late August in Truro. That was lovely because it was myself, it was herself, and the the golden retriever puppy at the time. And that was nice because we were in a little cottage near the water and we had a nice bit of downtime. But I've not had a proper night on the Raz, you know. And I'm not going to get a night on the Raz tomorrow, but I'm going to have a few drinks with some people that I like very much and that have been very kind to the Richie Allen Show. You know, the unsung heroes, the people who do stuff for you and uh, and stick up for you. I'm particularly fond of uh, a guy called Stephen Englander. Stephen presents a podcast, a video podcast, on trigger warning called Between the Spreadsheets, which is very funny. It's very good. It's a fairly recent thing, not new, but fairly recent. You'll find it on the Trigger Warning channel on on YouTube. And he's a great guy with a great sense of humour. Stephen happens to be Jewish, and quite a few of the accountants at my the, the company I, I the company that handles my accounts a number of the accountants there are are Jewish gentlemen and I'm I'm somebody who values loyalty and uh, anybody who knows me well who knows me really well there aren't too many of them that know me really well but they'll tell you that you, you don't meet somebody you, you you won't meet too many people who value loyalty more than I value it if you do me a good turn, you're a friend for life, no matter what might transpire in the intermittent years. I'll never forget you doing me a turn. And about three years ago, just after we, in fact, it's two and a half years ago, just after we moved to Salford, to the to the house that I live in now, with the studio attached to it, BBG Towers, you might remember, some of you will remember, I came in for a pretty uh, serious personal attack which went on for several days by a number of Zionist groups and so-called anti-racism charities here in the UK where they properly tried to destroy me, my reputation. And some of the followers of these groups put my phone number, my address and photographs of my house on the internet and invited people to come and do me harm. This was fairly serious now. Now the name calling and the trolling didn't bother me in the slightest because I've got very thick skin, but it got very serious and I had to get some private security people involved in it. It was nasty and uh, I was called every name under the sun. I was basically a neo-Nazi and I hated Jews and the programme was a haven for anti-Semites and Jew-haters. Of course, this was concerning to me on one level because the people I've known for several years who've 
been great supporters of the Richie Allen show and uh, great supporters of Hayden and Hayden's trigger warning projects. Those are Jewish accountants. They're gentlemen, good lads. And I remember thinking, this is dreadful stuff, this. What if they believe this? You know, that I'm some sort of closet hater of Jewish people or anybody else. But I've, I'd known them for several years before then. And those guys went to bat for, for the BBG. There it is, he's done it, he's referred to himself in the third person. He's a proper arsehole now. They went to bat for me. And Stephen Englander said, I will come on your programme, or any programme, and denounce the people who have called you a hater of Jewish people. And I will never forget that as long as I live. I will never forget Hayden Hewitt going to bat with people from national newspapers who wanted to run stories about me, basically declaring me to be some sort of fucking romper stomper. And Hayden Hewitt going to bat with them and saying, no, I don't associate myself with people like that. Uh, this guy is not. You've got him wrong. Listen to the programme. That was a fairly hairy time at the time. <clears throat> the person who put a photograph of my house on the internet will never do it again as long as he lives. He was found. He wasn't harmed. But the living bejesus was scared out of him and the people he associates with. But um, bad time at that time. But I'll never forget uh, my Jewish pals who came and said, well, we're not going to put up with that. We know who you are, kind of a thing. And uh, I said to Stephen, no, under no circumstances will we give in to these people. And, and under no circumstances should you come on my programme to, to endorse me as being a fairly decent human being, as wonderful an offer as it is, and something I will never forget ever. And I'll be your loyal mate uh, till the end of time. If you ever need anything from me, I'll always be there for you. Even if we fell out, which we wouldn't. I'd always be there in the background. So yeah, I like um, I like those guys a lot. And I'll be supping wine and eating canapes with them tomorrow and pulling Christmas crackers and having the crack, as it were. It's when you're under the cosh that you realise who your pals are, you know. I've always said that. And it's got nothing to do with, with broadcasting. It's, it's in life in general, when you're on your knees financially. Or, or spiritually on your knees and you're in trouble, you know, and things are really looking grim for you. That's when you know who your mates are. That's when you know who the people who really matter are. And those are the only people whose opinion you should give an arse about and not give a damn about what anybody else thinks or says about you. It's those that will be there for you. I think, you know, and I can hear the traffic outside. This has never happened before, leaving the window wide open. I've got this, this triple glazing thing here in the studio, so you can never hear a thing uh, from outside. So there you are. Look, I'm sorry for not reading more of your uh, messages there. I will do. I'll be more, I'll be more, I'll be more on the ball with that in future programmes. So look, I'm not with you tomorrow, but I will be with you on Sunday morning for Sunday morning melodies. And I've got a full week of shows next week and I've got some fantastic guests lined up for you next week, including uh, the great Peter Ebden and his great friend Joe 
Uh, they're coming on to talk about healing and other things. Right said Fred will be on the programme next week for an hour for a bit of crack, for a bit of uplifting talk and chat with the Freds. They're great guys. So I'm with you every day next week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, is uh, the 23rd. I think I said this last night. Next Thursday, I'll do a phone-in for the whole programme. I won't even do a monologue. I'll, I'll open the phones at three minutes past five and we'll have a good chat. We can even reminisce about Christmases of yore. We don't have to talk about this nonsense. So, full week of programmes. And thanks to Spiro Skouras for a very interesting uh, uh, email. Thanks, Spiro. Uh, Twitter is going to penalise account holders or users who claim that vaccinated people can spread COVID-19 it will penalise them some of them will be be given a permanent ban and Spiro finds this understandably amusing he says does this mean the CDC director will be banned because she admits this uh, on video that the vaccinated can spread COVID-19 imagine that Twitter is going to ban people for saying that that, that that the jabbed can pass on COVID-19 even though the director of the CDC and even though people like Chris Whitty, England's chief medical officer, uh, they will have admitted this before. Right, not with you tomorrow. I'll see you on Sunday at 10 o'clock UK time. Until then, thanks to my guests, to the great David Vance, always great value, and to the amazing Dolores Cahill. Thanks a lot. Speak to you Sunday. Bye now. Take care of yourselves. Have a great weekend as well. Bye.